So just in case you don't know, Ian and Marge, um, they, they're part of the leadership team at All Nations Church in Leicester. Uh, and Ian also has a, a, an apostolic mantle upon him as well. And so we relate to Ian apostolically too. Uh, okay, Ian, come and bless us, mate. Fantastic. Let's give Ian just another round of applause. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Well, it's great to see you in your new environment. Last time I was with you was actually the last Sunday that you were in Ashwood Hall. And uh, great that you've made the transition and the journey across the town, across the city to be here. And uh, it really is a, a new beginning, a new phase, a new season for you guys. And um, I would like you to turn with me in your Bibles to the first chapter of the book of Genesis, which is a great place to start. And I just want to use a, a, a scripture as a springboard for what we want to open up here together. So Father, we just honor you for your word. We just say thank you that you have revealed yourself through your word to us. Thank you that you continue to do that. And Holy Spirit, we ask that today that you would take what you have authored and really begin to apply it even further to our hearts. We open up our hearts to you. We love you. We trust your leadership and your guidance in our lives. We give you permission to bring revelation, understanding, deeper heart connection with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So Genesis chapter 1, of course, as we know, is the account of the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, it describes the, the creation process. And uh, then the culmination is day six and uh, verse 26 of genesis chapter one it says then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and uh, this this one statement is just filled with so much truth and so much self-revelation of God because clearly God is not solitary he says let us and so this is the first introduction that we have on the first page of the Bible that God isn't just singular but God is a community and we discover when we get into the New Testament really clearly that God is Father and God is Son and God is Holy Spirit and the early church formed the term Trinity. There is only one God but he is revealed in three persons and this is inevitably so when you get the revelation of Jesus that says God is love, agape, because you cannot have agape without having an object that is agapeed. So the Father is love. Therefore, the Father can't exist by himself. He has to have someone upon whom he demonstrates his love to. And the Son is the eternally loved one 
who's always been loved by the Father. And the Spirit is the means by which the love is communicated from the Father to the Son because their relationship is in the Spirit. And therefore, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have discussed together how they will outwork the creation process of the heavens and the earth. And they decide together out of their beautiful, intimate relationship that they will now create mankind the only created beings that are made in their image and likeness. It's just an incredible honor that we as human beings carry the divine image. As great as the created world is, you know, as beautiful as the sky is, as amazing as the, you know, green grass and trees, and we were just coming up today and commenting how beautiful it is, you know, as the sun was coming up today and just catching the change of colors that's the beginning of autumn. It's, it's just magnificent. And even the, the created world declares the glory of God, but the ones that were intended to declare the glory of God the most were people made in his image and in his likeness. We were intended to reflect what God is actually like. And so God made us for relationship because he is in relationship. He made us in his image. Therefore, relationship, connection of heart, like he has connection of heart, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Intimacy, like he lives in intimacy, where there is nothing hidden. There's no shady areas between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is transparency. There is honesty. There is vulnerability and openness. This exists in the Godhead. Therefore, if we made in his image, this is to exist between us and him and between us and one another. This is the consequence of being his image image bearers. So this is what we discover right at the outset of the Bible account on the very first page in the first chapter. And then uh, I was just chatting with Ben uh, this week about what he was going to do and thank God he didn't give Mark any cat food this morning. But we, he had devised this and felt to do that Ways before I chatted to him, but I was just saying about God putting choice in the garden, which is staggering because God is perfect love, okay? He can create whatever he wants. But it's not love unless there is choice. Otherwise, God just simply makes us robots. And we have no choice, and we just have to respond to him, and he isn't like that. And therefore, he doesn't want us to be like that. So in a perfect created world, turn the page to chapter 2, if that's on the next page. 
Verse 9, out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now it's really interesting that of all the things that God created, the multitudinous things, there are two created things outside of humankind that he specifically mentions. He doesn't mention the giraffe or the elephant or the antelope. He doesn't mention the apple tree or the pear tree or the orange tree. He mentions the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which were in the garden. And what he says to Adam is, you must not eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. So these trees represent something. They are really important. And the tree of life represents intimacy of heart and connection with God because he is the author of life. It indicates connection with the life giver. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is not to be eaten because as we discover in the next few chapters... This tree is about disconnection with God. Instead of intimacy with the Lord, because it's a tree that is forbidden to be eaten from, it means disconnection of relationship. And instead of dependency on the Lord, it results in dependency on our rational faculties to decide what is good based upon our own understanding and our own rationality and our own working things out from experience, which is a really bad way to learn. And the trouble is that our Western world and our academic system is generally based upon knowledge of good and evil. And God never intended us to base our thinking merely upon our rational ability. As good as that is, he intended us to live out of intimacy with him. What he says, his heart of love, his connection with us was to be the source. So we were always intended to be spirit-led being beings whose mind is submitted to our heart. That's why the first command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's your whole inner being that is devoted in love and connected to him and in living out of our spirit man, then our mind operates in a context of communion and union with him where we think his thoughts and can comply with what he wants. But if we break the connection of heart with him, our mind gets opened to the influence of the enemy and all sorts of turmoil occurs when he begins to put his thoughts into the mix because the mindset on the flesh is death whereas the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Mm -hmm. 
So from the beginning, God intended us to live in what he lives in, which is harmony and intimacy and heart connection and flow of the spirit. And we were never meant to live from the basis of our rationality. That's why Jesus said to his disciples on numerous occasions, why are you reasoning? Why do you reason? Why do you try and work it out with your brain power? Because we're to hear the voice of the Lord and to respond to the voice of the Lord and to be led by what the Spirit says. So this tree of life is for mankind to eat. This is for us. And the, the beautiful reality is that when you come into the New Testament, we see that um, Jesus expresses it this way, the flesh profits nothing. That is, our, our human endeavor, separated from God, doesn't achieve anything for God. That's why Jesus would say, without me you can do Nothing. So I'm, I'm not in any way negative to human people and their endeavors, but ultimately, in terms of heaven coming to earth, it cannot possibly be done without connection with the life-giving source, out of intimacy with the Lord. That's why he says, the reality is, without me, you can do nothing. And so... Jesus says, the spirit profits nothing, uh, the flesh profits nothing, I'm sorry, but the spirit gives life. So this life source is connection with the spirit. In the same way, Jesus says, just as the father has life in himself, so the father has given the son to have life in himself which is consistent with what we've seen from beginning of Genesis, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the triune God, is the source and the life flows from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's going to be by the Spirit, but it's from the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. And the Lord wants us, for all of humanity, to eat of the tree of life, which is relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not being dependent on our human faculties, as powerful and amazing as they are, because we're made in his likeness, but it really is coming out of intimacy and relationship with him. And so when Jesus comes, he comes as the perfect expression of what humanity is like. He comes as the son that is the prototype for every other son, male and female. He is the son. And when he comes, Isaiah, 800 years before his coming, prophesied this about him. You can turn with me if you want to Isaiah 61, because this is how the son comes. And Jesus, of course, at the beginning, at the outset of his ministry, takes this scripture, stands up in the synagogue, 
and declares it about himself and says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the scripture that he used was Isaiah 61. And he says, Isaiah says, of course it's about Jesus, but I believe it's about every other son that lives the life of Christ. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And, and on it goes. But we'll stop there a moment. And so as Jesus comes into the world, as he starts his ministry, this is how he functions. He functions by the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Jesus did not function as God. But he functioned as a man who was empowered by the Spirit of God. See, if he was God, and if he did what he did because he was God, then we can applaud him greatly, but he's unattainable. It's not possible for us to in any way emulate what he's like because he is uniquely God and therefore he did what he did as God. But when Peter on the day of Pentecost stands up and speaks about Jesus, he speaks about him in this way, Jesus, a man, anointed by the Spirit of God. Did signs and wonders amongst you, as you all know. And he refers to him not as a God, but as man. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the deity of Christ. You understand? That's already clear. He is fully God. But I want you to understand he did not operate as God and out of his deity. The Bible says he emptied himself and became a servant. He took the form of a servant and he was fashioned as a man and he lived his life as a man anointed by, filled by the Spirit of God. That's why he can be our example in everything. So instead of me saying, wow, that's an amazing life, Jesus, but that's unattainable for us. If he is a man that's anointed by the Spirit, if that man can be anointed to do things, then this man can be anointed to do things because it's because of intimacy with the Spirit that opens us up to connection with the tree of life that causes the life of God to flow through our lives. Now, when one is anointed by the Spirit, certain things flow as a result. If my dependency is on the Lord and not on my intellectual ability... On my 
faculties, on my abilities, if my dependency isn't on that, but on the Spirit of the Lord, that I require His filling and His anointing and His leading on my life to lead me. I cannot rely on the arm of flesh. I cannot depend upon my own faculties as I'm dependent on Him. Then the way that Jesus gets led, we can get led. And so this chapter in Isaiah 61 becomes our opportunity just like it was for Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. As I said, you have moved since I was last with you. And it's been quite a significant move. For many years, you were located at Ashwood Hall. There can be a certain degree of comfortableness by being in the same place. There can be a sense of, we know what's going to happen. A sense almost of predictability, because this is where we've been. And I believe with all my heart, like I affirmed when I was last here, it was right for you to move out. And it wasn't only the law that was saying this, but I felt circumstances were speaking to you powerfully, especially in the financial realm, to say this is unattainable, to stay here because of the upkeep of that building. It was just a drain on your resources. God hasn't called you to be English heritage. He has called you to be the proclaimers of the kingdom of God. Let English heritage take case, care of their old buildings, but this is not our calling. Our calling is to bring heaven to earth. So for our finances to be poured into the upkeep of a building, clearly God was speaking through those circumstances, this can't be right. But you know, when God asks us to leave what we used to, to move into what we're not, it's a tad scary. Because you're stepping out of what is known into what is unknown. And this is where we require the Holy Spirit. Because if you've never been that way before, your own abilities, you don't have an understanding of what should be done and how should, how should it be done. Our own rationality doesn't give us the answers. It requires us to have a dependency on the Holy Spirit. And actually, that is a brilliant position. That's how God intended us to live all the time anyway, to be dependent on him. Not, not for us to be in control, but for him to be in control. For him to be the leader and the guider. And so, moving out of where you've been to come to here is causing you, I believe, to realize you require the Spirit. More than ever before. Because you really haven't been this way before, and you have no practical reference grid in your past that can tell you what to do, you've got to hear the voice of the Lord. 
And can I say, it's not even a preacher turning up to tell you what to do. Not that I'm against preachers showing up, but even a preacher's voice isn't what you need. You need to hear the voice of the Lord. So as the son was led, so every son becomes led. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and God wants to anoint us with a freshness for this fresh phase. And that's what we see in the, in, in the wilderness, that the manna was fresh every day. There's fresh provision from God for us every day because he's the unlimited one. He never runs out of provision. And as he's led us in the past, so he wants to lead us into the future that he has for us. But it's not about listening to a human voice. It's listening to the voice of the Spirit. And the exciting opportunity is that we hear the voice of the Spirit together. And in it all, he might ask certain people to do some things that he's not asking other people to do. But together, we're here in the corporate amen of, this is what the Lord wants. So this move, I believe, is significant for a new dependency upon the Spirit. Because unless the Spirit leads then this isn't going to be a leading that is going to be fruitful in bringing heaven to earth. But if the Spirit does lead, then he wants to broker heaven's realm into this community. And this is the things that are to be brokered into this community. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news. I believe this community is crying out for good news. And, you know, the, the, the core of the good news is that people can be connected to the one who is the life giver. Because so many people around are living on existence. They're living on routine. They're living life. And they thought... That by making the choices that they did, that their life would be great. And they're discovering that life isn't too good because life was always meant to be lived from relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the issues that separate them from God are no longer issues because Jesus has taken the punishment on himself. He's done what has been required to connect heaven to earth and God to man. That's why what is being offered through you, being led by the Spirit, to the community around is good news. It's a good thing that you're here because of what you're bringing to the people really who are sat in darkness. You're carrying light and you're carrying life and you're carrying the blessing of God to those that are around. So, he has sent me to bring good news to the afflicted and he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. In the Hebrew word, that, in the Hebrew language, that word broken hearted is quite a... Um, challenging picture because it's a picture of something like a rock that is so hit it gets smashed like a clay pot that is dropped on the ground and is gone into smithereens 
And sometimes the effect of life is so traumatic on people that they become brokenhearted. They go to pieces. They become almost like disconnected from what they once were. But here is the beautiful, brilliant, good news that however broken people are, because of the anointing of the Spirit and because of the love of God, God is able to bind up the brokenhearted so that those fragmented pieces can be brought back together again and healed and fused in his love to such a degree that unless you told them, nobody would understand the breakages that took place in your life. And that whatever they have been through, the love of God is so powerful, so sufficient, so incredibly able that the broken pieces can be put back together. And that's why in the next verse he talks about, he gives us beauty for ashes. You think, I've got a pile of ashes here. And the Lord says, because I am a restorer by nature, I can take whatever ashes are there and I can restore them to beauty. Only God can do that. And so here you are coming into this community and God wants you to be dependent upon him in a new measure for the anointing that is for this new phase. This anointing brings good news. People can find connection with a life giver. Your anointing of the Spirit that causes his love to not only flow in you, but to flow through you, can bring healing to the brokenhearted. It can proclaim liberty to the captives, to people that are bound. It can offer an opportunity for liberty that they thought had long gone. See, they never walked into this thing believing, I want to be captive. They walked into what they've walked into believing it would give them freedom. A person doesn't take drugs believing that it's going to lock them up. A person doesn't get into alcohol believing that it's going to ruin their life. These activities are taken up with a hope of experience, a hope of something better than what they've got. But these things, including other things, don't deliver the expectation. And instead of bringing freedom, it leads people into captivity because true freedom is found in relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of doing it your way, of working out what is the best options in life, instead of bringing freedom, incarcerates us. And that's why spirit-anointed people are able to bring not only good news, 
not only to heal the brokenhearted, but to speak to those who are captive. There's a liberty that you can obtain. And I know of no better way of doing that than simply living in the freedom that comes through relationship by the Holy Spirit. Because it's where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And it's our own freedom, our own liberty, that then can speak to others and bring them liberty. And this is why, folks, I am so passionate for not only for myself, but for Marge and for Marge and myself and whatever we're involved in relationship, that people actively embrace the journey of getting their hearts healed up. That it's, it's not just a theological concept or an intellectual exercise, but I want my heart to be so loved up and healed up. And I want for my wife Marge, her heart, to be so loved up and healed up so that I'm able to love her, she's able to love me, we're able to love others, and that this love can be felt so that I'm not shaped by my past, but I'm shaped by what comes from above. And this is how God wants us our lives to be so bathed in his love so healed by his love that we become bringers of liberty and freedom to people around and i i don't know if i've told you this at all but i i remember that when we took our sabbatical which is nearly 10 years ago now and we took three months out and we did what the lord told us to do and Part of that was the discovery that our hearts required healing because we thought we already had it and then discovered that we didn't and we needed to be healed up. And we began to go on the journey of the healing of the heart. And uh, we walked for the first time for three months back into the meeting hall in Leicester one Sunday morning and we just walked in. And this one lady came up to us and says, I have no idea what's happened to you, but what you've got, I want. And I thought, I didn't know it was that evident. But you know, when you drink of his love, and when you become connected to his spirit, and when his life flows into you and begins to transform you from the inside out, it's evident that people see it and feel it, and they enjoy it, and they go, I'd like to have something that you're drinking, please. And it's not about trying to push it down their throat. It's simply allowing the life of God to leak out of you and for them just to simply enjoy what you're enjoying on the inside. That's what Jesus did. He brought his kingdom with him. And then he allowed his kingdom to so pour out so that when he gave the opportunity for Peter and the rest of the disciples to leave him, they go, well, why would we want to do that? You have the words of eternal life. We don't understand half of what you say, but when you do speak, it just feels so good. We just want to stick around you all the time. And this is how God wants you to be for us all. If Jesus was anointed by the Spirit so that the life of God flew, flowed out of him, 
God wants us to be anointed by the Spirit. The life of God flows out of us and brings refreshment and blessing to everybody that we meet. And I feel that this area has God's compassion on it. He loves these people. He doesn't want them to live in darkness. He doesn't want their lives to be shaped by hurt and pain. He wants them to be brought into liberty and freedom. But how can they be unless somebody who's living in liberty and freedom and life and in his presence carries heaven's realm into them if we required somebody to lead us to the lord they require somebody to lead them to the lord if we require a human person to speak good news to us and proclaim liberty to us who are captive we now become the good news carriers and the liberty carriers to those around and so in the process of the move of course Clearly, you've heard the voice of the Lord, and there's been this name change to Freedom Church. And I believe God wants you to fully be Freedom Church. But for Freedom Church to be expressed, the only way it can be expressed is through the anointing of the Spirit. It's through experience of the Spirit. It's through a personal relationship with the Spirit. It's through eating of the tree of life, receiving from what the Spirit does, getting close to Jesus, intimate with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are the source of all life, and they are the ones that are life givers. And so my intimacy with Him causes my freedom and the fragrance that they carry to come on to me so that I can give it away to others. And so in the name change, I believe you're set up to receive fresh encounters of the Spirit. Fresh intimacy with the Lord. Can I say whatever you've received in the past is just to set you up for what he wants to do today. And tomorrow and the next day. So that you're not people that are living on yesterday's revelation or yesterday's intimacy. But actually you're being set up. And you know for yourselves that in moving here, the issues in this area of the city are too great for human intellect to solve. Because if human intellect was able to solve it, it would have already been solved. But what this area requires, and areas of the city where I live, what it requires is not human initiative, but divine initiative. It is the flow of the Spirit. It is the life that comes from union with the Lord. And this is what the Lord is inviting you to carry. This is what he's calling us all deeper into so that it can pour out of us. Right at the beginning of last year, we had the honor of Benny Hinn coming to Leicester. 
we were absolutely blown away. I, I had five weeks' notice to say that Benny Hinn was coming to Leicester. And uh, so the meeting was packed, as you can imagine. There were 1,600 people in the hall that was, was hired. And um, the thing that he said that stayed with me was this. Whenever there is a geographical move, there is a fresh anointing of the Spirit. And he talked about Jesus leaving Nazareth, coming to Capernaum, and his coming to Capernaum, leaving the place where he'd grown up, leaving the place where everything was comfortable and he knew what was going on back there in Nazareth, his hometown. He moves to Capernaum and suddenly the gospel breaks out with power and authority and healings and demonstrations of the Spirit. A geographical move often precedes a fresh anointing of the Spirit. This is what was said by Benny. And when he said it, something leapt in my heart. Because Marge and I at that time were feeling being pushed out of our family home. The, the four kids had all flown the nest. We were in the house on our own, rattling around with this place with no more kids except when the grandkids came to stay. And we just, were just sensing our time was done in that place where we lived for the last 18 years, had a wonderful time, filled with beautiful memories, great experiences. It's like God was saying, I'm pushing you out of that nest. I'm pushing you out of that comfort zone. It's time to move on. And, and really, over the last year plus, we've been on this journey of finding where we should be. And thank you, Jesus, we come into the end of that process because we're going to be moving into our new house soon where we're going to be living, which is in a completely different area of the city where we believe now that the Lord wants us to be planted. And you know, Abram and Sarah has been a, a constant refrain in my heart where they'd been there for a long time and God was saying, get out of where you are. I'll show you where I'm going to take you, but I'm not going to tell you yet until you get there. And it's been a bit of that process for us where we've moved geographically. But in my heart, what I've held on to throughout this time is a geographical move precedes a fresh anointing of the Spirit. And I believe for you and your community that the geographical move is setting you up for fresh anointing. A new experience of the Spirit. Not that the experience of the Spirit in the past were inferior in any way, but this is a new day, it's a new opportunity. And you know, you know in your hearts that what was of yesterday is not sufficient to take you into the fullness of the new day that you have. It requires a fresh anointing of the Spirit. And here's the beautiful thing, that Jesus wants to keep filling us. He doesn't want to give us a little bit and say, okay, we'll do your best with what you got. He wants us to keep coming to him and drinking. And in coming to drink, we get filled up again, receive fresh anointing. And it's all about this intimacy of relationship. We're in connection with him. He is all that we require. And we're dependent on him and his anointing and not upon our thinking and our rational ability.
I believe there's a greater anointing, a fresh anointing, something that is a new intimacy that God is inviting you into. And this is the hope that is in our heart for you, that you're going to do this by the power of the Spirit and not by your own experience. Because if you try to do it by your experience, and if you try to do it by your own rationality, it's not going to work. So I wouldn't even bother. But just one word from him changes everything. I believe God wants to speak to you in your dreams. In vision. Through pictures. He wants to open your eyes into the invisible realm to see what he's doing. It's about seeing it from his perspective and allowing his worldview to fill your heart. And like Mark said earlier, there's tons of stuff going on in the world right now that is ugly and is not a blessing. If that shapes our lives, we are in mortal danger. But it's seen it from heaven's perspective because Jesus came into a world and wasn't overwhelmed by the condition of the world. He was overwhelmed by the condition of heaven and poured out heaven into the world around him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He wasn't in any way unsure about where the source was. It was the anointing of the Lord. There's a fresh anointing for individuals and for you as a corporate community. It's hearing his voice. It's receiving what's coming from him. And it's using that anointing to flow out to others. My sweetheart, do you want to say something? Yeah, I, I just felt when Ian talked about God wants to speak to you into your dreams, for God to share a dream I had, um, and I may have shared it, shared it here before, but I just feel I should share it again. And it's all about not letting your past hold you back. That um, In my dreams for a while, I used to fly. And uh, I used to fly with God, I used to fly with angels, and I'd do great exploits. And in this one particular dream, I was flying over an ocean. I was flying further than I'd ever gone before. And I ended up in um, a house. Actually, it was in Bradford where Ian and I had been um, as elders. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in this house, and there was somebody from my past way back in the church. And I was telling her about how I could fly. <coughs> And she's going, no, no, you mustn't do that. That's wrong. That's not right. And um, she shut all the windows so I couldn't get out because she just thought it was so wrong. And so in the end, I, I managed to, f there was a window open in the dream. I flew out and I flew off. And when I woke up, God said to me, don't let past experience hold you back. So Bradford, not that it was bad, but God was using that was a past experience. And it was somebody who hadn't experienced what I was. So to her, it's not right. And he said, don't let past experience hold you back, good as it may have been. And don't let your past thinking hold you back. And others' thinking and others' experiences. And in this whole new move, you know, I just sense, open yourself up 
to new things that God wants to do. And it may be out of your comfort zone. And you may not have past experience or past thinking to rely on. But the Holy Spirit will show you that it's safe and it's fun. And there's always more to go higher and further. Sure, beautiful, sweetheart. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.